Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you would, put your hands together and welcome everybody who's joining us online this morning. Thank you so much for stopping by, and we hope that you'll find the opportunity to join us in person one Sunday at either 9.30 or 11 o'clock. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn it to Matthew, the 28th chapter. Today's going to be a little bit different than normal because I'm not aiming to preach so much as I want to teach you through a thought process that I think is very important for us to hear and understand, especially within the times that we are living in. Last week, we started a series called, What Do We Do Now? Easter's over. Jesus has risen from the dead, and the disciples are standing there saying, where do we go from here? What do we do now? And I think that's a question that we should all wrestle with as believers today. I've received Jesus into my heart. I believe he is the son of God. I've entered the waters of baptism, but now what? Is it over for me? I mean, do I just float through this life until Jesus returns and brings me to my eternal home? Or am I here for a reason? Am I here for a purpose? Does God actually have an intention for me? And so Matthew, the 28th chapter, starting in verse 19, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all, all nations. Meaning this is for everybody. Doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, white, God is inviting everyone to come into his family. And if you don't like that, you're gonna hate heaven. Because heaven is going to be made up of all kinds of nations, all different kinds of tribes, people, languages, all over the place is going to be there. And I'm looking forward to it. And I want Activation Church to be a representation of heaven here on earth. I don't want us to be a church that everybody looks the same, dresses the same, acts the same, and votes the same. I believe that God has uniquely designed you and made you beautiful, and I love variety. How many of you love variety? How many of you are thankful that every flower is not yellow? I'm thankful that not every single person looks the same. I'm glad that we have different color eyes, different shades of skin, different colors of hair. I'm thankful for those that grow their own hair. I'm thankful for the people like me that are struggling in life. I'm, I'm thankful for the people who go to the store and buy the fake hair and wear it. All kinds of people. <laughs> Jesus said, go into the, and make disciples of all nations, all nations, all nations. Is that, is that resonating with anyone? You want to know what your mission is? Love all people. All people. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is saying, take what I have started, take what I have modeled for you, and expand it. I want you to go into the world and I want you to bring, bring people out of darkness and into my marvelous light. And then I want you to develop a community of light bearers. You know, that's really been God's intention since the very beginning. 
When he created the heavens and the earth, he placed Adam and Eve in the garden. The Bible says he blessed them, and he said, now I want you to be fruitful and multiply. What did he want them to multiply? He wanted them to multiply children made in the image of God. We get to the story of Noah. After the flood, God comes to Noah and his family. He says, now be fruitful and multiply. Multiply what? People who serve me. Then he gets to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. You've got to understand God's intention was to bring about a family, a community of believers that believed the same thing and made him their God. And Jesus is saying, now, now that I've come back to life, I want you to go and take this experience and I want you to go and make other disciples. Now notice Jesus did not say, now that you know me, go home and develop, and develop your own personal walk with me. He said, go out and make disciples, meaning you've got to get involved with some other people. Develop the community of believers we call the church. It's important to understand that God is for the church. Jesus died for the church and he gave his disciples the mission to go and build his church. The problem is over the years, we've gotten really hazy on what is the church. Some people will say, well, the church is a building or the church is a place. Some will say the church is a religious organization. Some will say the church is a people group. Some would say that the church is an individual, meaning you're the church or I'm the church. But what, what really is the church? What does the Bible frame out for us for what this thing called the church is? And I want to take you to Matthew, the 16th chapter, to start laying some groundwork for what the church is. Or a better question would be, who is the church? Now, when Jesus came into the, the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do, you, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? What's the word on the street? A lot of people got opinions about me. What are they saying? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? You've spent time with me. We've eaten together. You've seen the miracles. Who is it that you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, meaning Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, on this principle, on this foundation, that I am the anointed one, that I am the son of the living God, on that rock, on that foundation, I will build my what? Church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What? Church. And I will give you who? The church, the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you, the church, bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, when Jesus says, I will build my church, you've got to go back to the original word there. Because the English word that we have for church is actually not translated from the original Greek. 
It got changed around 300 AD. But the actual word that Jesus spoke at this time was he said, my ecclesia. I will build my ecclesia, which means assembly, gathering, or congregation. So the first century hearer of this would have heard, I will build my gathering. I will build my assembly. I will build my congregation. And against that people... Against that assembly, the gates of hell shall not prevail. You have to understand, Jesus is the head of the church. He's the one that established it. He's the one that modeled it. And he modeled it by gathering people, being involved with people, eating with people, spending time with people, praying with people, teaching people. It was highly involved. It's like a cake. You don't just go to the store and buy a, a box of cake and take it home and eat it. You've got to make the cake. It means you've got to get involved with the ingredients. So when Jesus says, go and make disciples, they are hearing you need to get involved with others the same way that I have gotten involved with you. And that is the model of the New Testament church. When we look at the church, when it is born in the book of Acts, we see that they receive the word of God. They, they, they receive Jesus into their heart. They're removed from the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. And you know what they do? They start meeting together. They start praying together. They start eating meals together. How many of you like the eating meals part? Totally biblical. Totally biblical. No dieting in this church. No, sir, not while we're eating together. Yesterday we had Pop's Doghouse at the men's thing. I ate two hot dogs and two hamburgers. Praise God, because you weren't there. I had to eat your stuff. I blame you for my weight problem. But the point is, that's the model. When, when Jesus said, I want you to go and make disciples, this is what they're hearing. You're, you're going to do what I have done with you, and it's going to be highly involved. And, and, and so when we look at this, we begin to understand that the church is not just people. Now follow this. The church is not just people, but the church is people who assemble together in the name of Jesus. Now you could say a basketball team is the people. They're not the practice or the game. You could say that. But without the practice and without the game, they're not a team at all. Does that make sense? And so it's important to understand that, yes, you and I are the house of God. We are the place that the Spirit of God resides, but me by myself does not make up the church because the church is a corporate body, one body with many different members. Just like you're looking at me right now, you're thinking, man, that's a beautiful man. But I, I'm standing here, I got many different members. I got fingers, I got toes, I got ears, I got eyes, all this stuff. It's all a part of my body. Now, I can cut this thing off and say it's a finger. But if it's not connected to my body, this finger is not going to receive any life. It's not going to receive any nutrients. Are you following this? So to actually be the church means you are a part of the assembled gathering. You are a part of serving in the local body. So when Jesus instructed them to make disciples, they knew what he meant because they had witnessed it firsthand. 
Becoming a Christian means that you have become a part of his body. We are many members, but we are one body. And God, this is important for you to understand, and God places you in the body where he wills. What that means is you don't get to determine where you're going to go to church. Because God places you. You're, it's a body. It's got to function a certain way. So certain members have to be in certain places in the local assembly for it to function properly. So God places you within the body or the local assembly where he wills, meaning where are you going to be most productive for his kingdom? So really the better way to pick a church is not go and say, well, I like their music or I like their light program. Or I like what they got going on with kids. The best way to pick a church is, God, are you calling me here? Is this where I need to be to get rooted and involved and once you find that place that God is calling you to it's important to establish a root system because without roots you won't produce any fruit did you know the average Christian changes churches every two years so every two years they change churches no wonder there's not a lot of fruit being produced in their life they're not allowing God to plant them where he desires to get roots. And the reason that we leave churches a lot of times will be because this church didn't have that. You know, I'm, I want a church that has this kind of parking lot program and the church didn't have it. And so I'm going to go find somewhere that does have a parking lot program. Have you ever considered, this is just a thought, that God has called you to that local body because it doesn't have a parking lot program and he's put the desire within you to put it together. So we don't think that way. We're always looking for what's already there. What can I just like hitch my, my, my wagon to and, and go? But see, some of you are called to blaze the trail, to start what has not been started. So uh, immediately, if there is a desire in my heart or in my life, or there's something that I notice, then I go, okay, God, is that something you're directing me to? I want a better children's program. Okay, maybe God's calling me to get involved with the kids. I want a better media experience. Okay, well, maybe God is calling me to be a part of that body where I'm involved in the media experience. Well, I wish we had this kind of group for young married couples or this kind of group for singles. Maybe, just maybe, God is calling you to be the catalyst to get it going. Doesn't mean you have to lead it, but you can be the catalyst to start it. Are y'all following this? train of thinking it's very important because the church is essential and you being plugged into the proper place and doing the proper thing is essential to your destiny because no church this is important and many of you may disagree and get upset today but no church no fulfilled destiny no church no fulfilled destiny why because there is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. If you go through scripture, every person you read about that God used to do something significant, he did for the purpose or benefit of his people, not just the individual. Are you following that? See, we've gotten in our mind that it's just about me and Jesus, my own personal Jesus 
And if you think that, you've missed the point altogether. We should have a personal relationship with Jesus. We should have a personal walk with Jesus. But that is for the purpose of me becoming who I need to be so that I can benefit the body, so that I can be a productive member of the functioning body of Christ. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans, the first chapter. He's writing this to the church in Rome. He says, for I long to see you. My desire is to be with you right now. There's been some stuff that's prevented me from being there, but my desire, my heart's desire is to be with you. That's how I felt through the whole coronavirus thing. I hated being by myself on Sunday mornings and not being with you. I longed for the opportunity to get back together with the family of God because the church is so important. The church is so powerful. And he says, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Are you seeing that? I've got something that you need. God has placed something inside of me that I need to release to you. But it's not just me getting something to you, he says. It's that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So Paul's saying, I'm the apostle. I'm the one that God has called to establish this church. I'm the one that God has called to be the mouthpiece of this church. And there are things that God has placed in me that you need. But you've got to understand, I long to be there with you because there's also something in you that I need. Because we are important to one another. Iron sharpens iron. That's why those meetings like we have on Wednesday night are so valuable. I was telling the first service, there's a lot of times I'll come to the Wednesday night meeting and I'll hear somebody say something that encourages me. And I leave here going, man, I, feel, I just feel better. Have you ever experienced that before? Like you're worn out for the week and then you come into an environment with other believers and just talking about the things of God and hearing people's story it just inspires you and you leave going, man, I feel so much better. There's a reason for that because God has designed us for that. He has not designed us to be individuals that are complete by ourselves. And I'm going to show you that a little bit later. Paul says, I long to be with you. Now, there may be times and seasons that we're prevented from gathering together for this reason or that reason, and I understand that. And I'm thankful for online church. I'm thankful for podcasts. I'm thankful for all these tools and resources for those times that we are prevented, but those things should never replace or substitute our coming together because it's completely different. They should add to, they should enhance. I can gain from the teaching and I'm thankful for that, but there's something that happens within the corporate body, the corporate gathering, the corporate worship that is so vital and so important. The story I told in the first service, I, I was talking about a man and we'll just use John and Naomi since this actually happened. John and Naomi, they meet, they fall in love did you get married before you went away, John? So they get married, and John goes, he, he's on a tour of duty with the military. He served with the United States Marine Corps. Hoorah. And so, am I allowed to say that? Nope, sorry. <laughs> For those of you watching, I learned my lesson. But anyway, so, so John goes away, and this love and this, 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 this compassion that they had with one another is now separated 
and divided by space. She's here, he's there. And so now they have to communicate with one another through letters, writing love letters. This is how I'm doing. This is how much I miss you. I want to kiss you. Place your hand here. That's my hand. Can you feel my heart? You know, all this stuff, all this mushy stuff. And it's wonderful to have that opportunity to be able to communicate with one another, but it's no substitute for the real thing. And so when John comes back from his tour of duty, Naomi's not going to say, you know what, let's just continue writing each other. Are you following me? Because she loves him. She is intimate. She wants to be around him. That's how we should feel about Christ and his church, not just our love for God and our love for Jesus, but our love for the body because we are all one. Are you following this? It's very important, very important. So apart from the church, it is impossible for your destiny to be fulfilled because your destiny is a part of the church to accomplish his will, his plan, and his purpose on earth. So apart from the church... There is no fulfilled purpose. Now go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 11. The Bible says, and he gave, this is Jesus. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, or you could say pastors and teachers. These are gifts within the church. Why did Jesus give these gifts to the church? Verse 12, to equip the saints. Are you following that? So without being a part of the church and having these gifts operating in your life, there's no way for you to be equipped for your purpose, which is the work, the Bible says, the work of ministry. What is that work of ministry? For building up the body of Christ. Well, why am I here? To build the body of Christ, to make disciples. I get discipled, I make disciples. I get discipled, I make disciples. And that process never ends. As long as you're living and breathing and here on this earth, you are still being made into a disciple, a fully devoted follower of Christ. And it is impossible to do that apart from his church. Because he did not give your home. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher, he gave it to the church. One body, many members. Jesus, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The only way to benefit from the source of the vine is to be attached to the vine. So he says to equip the saints for the work of ministry. You can't know what your purpose is apart from the church because it is for the church and the building of the church until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Who's the head of the church? Jesus, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Are you seeing that? 
It takes the body working together and working properly for the body to continue to grow. The idea that we can become a fully equipped Christian by ourselves is both ludicrous and unbiblical. The thought that I don't need the church, all I need is my personal relationship with Jesus is completely unbiblical. I've heard people say, and you've probably heard people say this before, like, you know, I just, when I go to the woods, that's where I encounter God. That's where I meet with God. And I believe 100% that you can go into the woods and you can have fellowship with your heavenly father. I believe that. I believe that we are not bound by a location when it comes to our personal, personal worship with Jesus Christ. We can do that anywhere. But most people say, well, I get more out of being in the woods than I do being a part of the church is because they would rather be in the woods than be at church. And they're not really going to the woods to search after God. They're going to the woods because they want to be in the woods and they want to kill a big deer. And that's just their excuse. Because here's what would happen if they went to the woods to truly search after God. According to scripture, when they seek him, they're going to find him. So now I'm in the woods. Frank, I'm in the woods. I got my Bible because I'm searching after God, right? So I've got to have his word, not my rifle. I got to have his word. And so I'm getting into the word of God. And as I begin to dig into the word of God, the Bible says it's living, it's active. It starts dealing with me. Things start shifting. Things start changing. My mind starts getting renewed. I start sensing this new life that I have in Christ. And I have actually found God. And I get so excited about what God has done for me in the woods that I go and find Bob. And I go, Bob, you got to come to the woods with me, man. God has radically changed my life. And I think he can do it for you too. So now Bob and I get together in the woods where two or three are gathered together there am I in the midst of them so now this this thing is intensified I'm experiencing God Bob's experiencing God we're praying for one another we're encouraging one another we get so excited that I go and I tell Daryl about it and Bob goes and tells uh, Keith about it and then we come to the woods we're getting excited and this thing starts to grow like wildfire because everybody that comes is getting touched by God because we're all in the woods to seek and find God and it grows so big that the government says, hey, you can't do this anymore. You can't have this many people gathering together in the woods. So now we have to do what we hate. We have to take up an offering so we can buy our own property and build a building. And now it's a fact that we have built a church. So don't throw that I can find God in the woods because when you find God, he will drive you to his church because that is what he is about. And that's how his mission will be accomplished through the church. He may use an individual, but that individual will be used because they are a part of the church. This is such an important teaching because there are so many people out there right now that think like, well, it's just me and God. And they have no clue. And they want to disciple people online and, and give them Bible studies online and they have no idea what they're talking about because they themselves are not a part of a church. And I'll just throw this out there for you. Let's say I'm still back at my father's church. That's where I came from. Let's say I'm at my father's church and I get mad at my dad and I leave to go start a church. I'm an heir. And God's blessing is not upon that because I have separated myself from headship and authority and his church that he has established. So the way, the proper way to do it is my headship 
my leadership that I submit to. See, I'm pastoring you, but I've got leadership in my life. We're not just this church that's floating out in Dallas, Georgia by themselves. We've got headship. We've got leadership. We've got people that we look to. I've, I have mentors that I talk to. And, and he said to me, son, I want you to go start a church. The reason we have a church is because I was sent by my spiritual authority. These are things that God has laid out and given us to benefit us. And we reject them because we don't know what we're talking about. We were created by God for community with him and with others. If you go back to the creation story, God created the heavens and the earth. He looks at every aspect of his creation. And Daniel, he says, this is good. I mean, it doesn't get better than good with God. When he does it right, he does it right the first time. So he looks at the trees, this is good. He looks at the flowers, this is good. But he takes man and he places him in the garden alone. And God steps back and he goes, this is not good. It's not good for man to be alone. So what does he do? God makes for him woman. That's the first marriage. The two flesh, according to scripture, two become one. That's what marriage is. Two flesh, two individuals now become one body. Why? Because God desires community, desires family. When Paul refers to marriage in the New Testament, he takes us through how the husband should respond to the wife, the wife should respond to the husband, and then he talks about what marriage is from the beginning, and he says it's a mystery. But it actually refers to Christ and his church. Marriage is a model of what the church is, where many come together, but they're one. It's a mystery. It's hard for us to understand this, but you and I are not separate. We are one. We are one body, different members, same body with Christ as our head. So it's impossible to separate what Jesus has done for you from what he is calling you to. The Bible says things like love one another, welcome one another, care for one another, agree with one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, teach one another, do good to one another, confess to one another, show hospitality to one another. You get the big idea? The only way to love one another is to be with one another. And he's talking about the church. He's not talking about the world. A lot of times we get confused. When Jesus says, by this will all men know that you are my disciples, he's telling his disciples, people will be able to identify you because of your love for one another. Meaning you love that disciple, that disciple loves you. That's what he's talking about. That's what's being modeled here. It's not that we treat anyone else unfairly. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Yes, we love all people. But it's getting to the point that we are a body. We are to love one another, to serve one another, to mutually encourage one another, to build one another up because that's how we become complete. And it cannot happen without one another. Church is super viable. No church no authority. Matthew 18, 18 through 20. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth 
shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about touching anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. When we come together as the corporate body of Christ, Jesus shows up. Think about that. The book of Revelation says that Jesus walks among his churches. As we come together as the body in its truest form, that we're not here to be entertained, we're not here for anything other than to worship together, that's what it should be. We're worshiping Jesus together. When we do that, Jesus himself steps into the room. And that only happens within this corporate body, biblically. Again, doesn't mean that you can't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You should. You should have a personal relationship with Jesus. You should spend time in his word, and you can grow from that. You can listen to online sermons and podcasts. You can use those as tools, but you have to understand that it is all to equip you to be a part of his body. And here's the scary thing. Where we are right now as a society, if we don't change the way we handle the church, there's going to be a generation of people who do not attend a church because they see no need in it because they've observed us and saw that we didn't see a need for it. I promise you. See, you may think, well, I I love God, I'm good with God, I love Jesus, I'm all good, and so I can come and go as I please. Your kids aren't picking up on that. All they're picking up on is this is valuable, this is not valuable. And one day when they come to a place to where they make decisions for themselves, they're going to determine, based upon the way they've been brought up, what is valuable and what is not valuable. This is hard for people to hear. But I think about this because I got three little girls and I realize whatever I'm doing is setting the stage for how they're going to live their life. Whatever I teach them is valuable is what they're going to learn from. And so I need to have a biblical understanding of what the church is and why it is so essential to my life. Why am I here? To be a part of his church, to fulfill his purpose here on this earth. That's why I exist. Once my purpose is done, I'm out of here. Are you, are, are you catching that? I mean, this is very important stuff. And for people to just be so like, well, it doesn't matter. I come and go whenever I want. It's not that you're going to be here every Sunday. I understand people travel. I understand you have things to do. But we need to learn how to prioritize what God prioritizes. And don't come up in your mind as, with, with what is important to God. Because I promise you, you'll miss it. Because I promise you, most of you, most, most of you probably have not taken time to really read the scriptures. And you're going to come up with what God values and doesn't value. What is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. That's scary. I want to get in the word. God, what do you, what do you say about this? What, what do you say about your church? What do you say about your body? For those of you who are watching online, I want to pray for you today. And I hope that this message speaks to you in a way that you'll go, hey, you know what? 
when the time comes, I want to, and, and I'm ready and I can, I want to be a part of a local assembly. And maybe you don't live within uh, this area. Like find a church that you can go to so that you can plug in and fulfill your purpose and your destiny. Father, we ask that you would touch them. We ask that you would move on them in a mighty and a powerful way. God, we ask that you would help them. We ask that you would strengthen them. We ask that you would encourage them. And we ask that you would bring them into the place that you've called them to. In Jesus' name, amen.